People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. This is the Under the Visor podcast. From the OU Insider Studios, here's your host, Brandon Drum. Uh, so welcome to another fantastic post-game podcast right here on OUinsider.com. It is a weird podcast because the Sooners decided they were going to blow a 35-14 to 14 lead in the third quarter and lose 38-35 to, an, uh, I almost said Iowa State, but to a team that lost to Arkansas state the week before two weeks before. Um, now granted Arkansas state could have been a good, good G five program. And I think for the most part, they are, I think the coaching staff out there is fantastic. They have a bunch of transfers from a bunch of top notch P five programs. Uh, they're a well put together team. Uh, but to have Oklahoma lose at home once again, to Kansas State, a Kansas State program that seemingly has owned OU uh, for the better part of the last, what, decade? Well, I won't say own, but they play Oklahoma so freaking well. It doesn't matter how good OU is. But they lost. And with that, I have my guys, Joey Helmer, the editor of OUinsider.com, and my right-hand man, the dude that's behind the scenes working and going all the time, and uh, our assistant team and recruiting reporter, Colin Kennedy, with me as well. Um, guys. What should we talk about? Well, yeah, what do we want to talk about today? That's football. Uh, <laughs> okay, so first things first, guys. We were talking about this earlier. Um I brought this up to Colin, Alex Grinch. Uh, I asked him a question and I want to start off with this because I think this may be the most poignant part of this loss considering the fact OU blew a, and I'm going to repeat this over and over a 35 to 14 lead. You remember the last time they did that? Do you remember the last time they, they blew a lead like that? And lost at home. Probably Iowa State. Iowa State, 31 14. 31 to 14 in 2017. Iowa State kicks a field goal to go 31 17 right before the half. And it was almost like a precursor to what you were going to see in the Georgia ball game uh, a couple months later. Uh, But uh, it was was bad. Um, Which, by the way, I want to see those all reds again. I do want to see those. Those are nice. But I digress. I asked Alex Grinch, I said, is it, is there a noticeable difference in the huddle when you're, 
in on the defensive side of the ball, maybe even the offensive side of the ball, when things seem to be going wrong for this program and going wrong during the ball game, and you don't have a Kenneth Murray, you don't have a Neville Gallimore in there talking, saying the things that needs to you don't have a Jalen Hurts. I mean, I think for anybody who's and you're talking about one of the biggest Spencer Rattler fans. I'm pointing thumbs at myself right here. I think the trio of us are three of the biggest Spencer Rattler fans there are as far as media goes. And anybody, and I said this last year, that thinks, oh, well, Spencer Rattler, we would have done this with Spencer Rattler. We would have, bros, you lose five ball games without Jalen Hurts last year. And if you don't believe that, look what happened today. When things got bad, and it's not Spencer's fault. He's a redshirt freshman. You don't expect them to do this. And that's what and, and, and that's kind of what Alex said. He goes, oh, we can't put it all on the players. It's got to be some of the coaching. But at the same time, he kind of was pointing at the players saying, there's got to be somebody to step up in that huddle. Because when it av- avalanches like that, it's got to stop. And the only way to stop is for everybody to come together and not have this deer in the headlight look that everybody had. The whole team had. Colin, you watched it on TV. Yeah, I know, Joey, you couldn't see it because you were there. That we only everybody only got one press pass per affiliation uh this weekend because of the COVID stuff. So just so y'all know. But the team looked shocked. Like it was like they came out in the second half thinking, oh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna beat them. We're up 35-14. And then they got punched in the face and they're like, what the hell? I, what do we do now? And they're all looking around at each other, not responding. So with that, what y'all's takes on that situation? Like, my thought on that. Like, do you all agree? Take it a little bit further, Colin. Well, I don't know how much further you want me to go because it can get pretty ugly. But (laughs) let's just call it what it is. This This was the worst loss in program history at least recent program history now let me let me say something before we go any further here I want to tip my cap to Chris Kleiman and his coaching staff because they were down several starters they went in this game with several question marks on the line of scrimmage at various positions and they out coached Oklahoma they outplayed Oklahoma in every facet of the game that being said couldn't agree more the leadership aspect of this is just the one of numerous concerns that everyone should have when it comes to this Oklahoma football team. Now, look, we've mentioned it a number of times, and I I said this in the pregame podcast we did. This is a, a gap year for both Kansas State and Oklahoma. Both teams are not who they normally are from an identity perspective. But one team made that more so evident than the other. And if, you, if I had told you that before the game, you probably would have expected it to be Kansas State. No, it was Oklahoma that looked like a shell of itself in this outing. And part of it has to go do with leadership. I, I was someone that held the take consistently. People are too quick to undermine how much Kenneth Murray meant to this football program. I also firmly believe that if Jalen Hurts had had a similar performance today, to Spencer Rattler, he may not actually make it to the parking garage, okay? This was awful, and no one stopped the absolute floodgates from opening. I don't know what Oklahoma has in terms of a solution, but they better find one fast. And I think there are guys on this roster 
who can step up and who can take responsibility on their shoulders and change the direction of the season. But at the same time, they really have to look at themselves in the mirror because this just flat out shouldn't have happened. To lose a game in this fashion and collapse like that in the second half when you are a nearly four-touchdown favorite at home, this was atrocious. No other way around it. And we'll get into the specifics, but I'm gravely concerned, and I think anyone who is also concerned, whether it be leadership or just simple style of play, has every reason to be right now. I completely agree. I completely agree. And it's interesting that you bring up uh, the leadership, which is exactly what this was, right? Like someone – but either side of the ball has to be able to to step in and stop this avalanche, like you like called it. I mean, that's exactly what it was. It was an avalanche. And um, interestingly enough, afterwards, the only players they gave us were your team captains, Creed Humphrey and Pat Fields. And both of those guys said the same thing. You know, we we were not ever able to really kind of stop this this surge the entire fourth quarter. You know, you're playing uh, playing with a lead. How Pat Field said, as a defensive player, you know, you have to play like you're on offense. You have to be the attacker, the aggressor. And Oklahoma was on the defense, the defensive, the entire fourth quarter, right? Like playing, playing to protect a lead that's quickly evaporating and almost playing to the point uh, to where they're just they're, – they're not – attacking at all you know and that was yeah. the difference that the first the first half of the game they're on the attack they're the aggressor you know they're making plays in the backfield and things like that uh, the first quarter and a half of the game they <laughs> i think they don't even like give up a first down i would have to check and see when uh, kansas state picked up their first first down but kansas state was doing nothing and then they got a little bit going and and there you go it goes down an avalanche yeah i mean look it was and i'm sitting here trying to sift through these stats real quick and and rattler threw 41 times guys 41 times you Oklahoma. guys realize he didn't have an incompletion until the third quarter an Correct. incompletion that hits hits the ground. His two incompletions were right. picks up until right. midway through the right. third quarter. He was he was hit. I mean, he was even 100% there for a while to the other team. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm one joking. One of those <laughs> interceptions, too, was tipped up in the air by one of his Right. Receivers. Yeah, and that, that was – so I want to touch on what you said that they only gave uh, Pat Fields and Creed. That's See, it. that 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 to me – I think that that kind of shows you, and I think you touched on that, was where the leadership is on this team. I think there's a lack of it. If you can't provide more than two guys after a loss, one of them being the quarterback, that's a problem. That is a problem. Because the quarterback, I know he's a freshman, know he's a redshirt freshman, but there's some weight to be held of responsibility for the way things go during a ball game, whether it's on him or not. And again, you're not talking, I I am, I've known Spencer since he was uh, a freshman in high school. So um, there is a different 
kind of feel to when I say this type of stuff because I know him. I know him very, very well. Um, he's he's a really good kid. Um, but there, you, you can't expect him to grow, in my opinion. I don't know. I want y'all's opinion on this, too. See if you agree or disagree with me here. You cannot expect him to grow as a leader if you're going to put him in a bubble and not take the hard questions that are going to come with being the quarterback at the University of Oklahoma, where the expectation is to be one of the best players in the country, a Heisman candidate, and to win ball games. Now, granted, they lost. He threw for 387 yards, four touchdowns. So, and he only had 11 incompletions out of 41 passes. That is a remarkable stat line. Those three interceptions, two of them were him. One of them wasn't his fault. So I don't think there was anything that could have been asked of him other than why were you so skittish in the, in the pocket? I think that was the main thing. I think you saw after he got hit a couple times, it was almost as if, and I, I don't, Joey, you remember this. Okay. Um, the Colorado game mm-hmm. in 2007. Did this not remind you of that game with with Bradford? How you know they got they got up and they lost that lead. And it slipped all. It completely slipped away. Lost it's it on a, a late field goal, I believe. If, correct. If I remember right. And and it was remember Bradford threw. He threw to one guy the whole time. Kept throwing to the same guy, Iglesias. Didn't matter if he was open or not. He was throwing. And he kept running around and rolling and doing things that normally he didn't do as a player. And he was a redshirt freshman that year. And it, it comes – you get hit a couple times. You get that – like, you haven't dealt with that type of scenario before at the college level. So you handle it differently than you did as a senior in high school. Uh, yeah, you've been in that scenario as a senior in high school, but you're so much more confident in what you do because you're not – it's not a different feel and atmosphere. You're with guys you've been with for a long time. So this is a new thing, and it's going to be a new thing. Everything's going to be new for Rattler going here. So it's all on how he handles it and keeping him away from us. I don't know if I – and I'm not saying that that was the worst. Decision, but do you all see where I'm coming from here? Like I think putting 100%. the guy in a bubble isn't exactly the best thing to help him grow. If you're looking for growth as a quarterback and growth as a team – you need to, and you're, you're putting your leaders, and I'm air quoting everybody that needs to know this. I'm air quoting your leaders. Wouldn't a quarterback be one that would be a leader? You would certainly think, right? Like that he's he's the face of the uh, the franchise, the face of the you know uh, football program right now. In many ways, is he's Spencer Rattler and a guy that has a lot of Heisman Trophy talk and yeah. to you know, kind of shield him from all of that is it, it's almost, it is, you know, like you're saying, kind of unproductive, I guess, if that's a word you could use. Um, it inhibits his uh, growth to a certain extent. And I understand, you know, we've been in these situations before where one of, you know, Oklahoma's teams loses a, a tough game and uh, they do restrict access, but, at some point, you know, it, it certainly uh, is a, a growth thing. And yeah. you look in earlier this week when we talked to him, like the other couple of times we talked to him, he's, he's fantastic with the media. Very good. He's great. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't seem to phase him. He says all the right things. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that 100%. I thought that definitely stood out to me, like 
as we react to this loss. The fact that they only allowed a couple of players was like, that speaks volumes to, to like Colin said at the beginning here of how embarrassing, how bad this loss was. Yeah. Putting Rattler on the podium would have put the cherry on top to this learning experience for him. Right. I mean, having him answer to the loss would have been very beneficial for him moving forward. But at the same time, we talk about growth. And this is where, like, I have to also point out the fact that, yes, Rattler is partially responsible for this and he should have had an opportunity to answer for it. But at the same time, you mentioned that 30 of 41 is not too shabby, especially when he was put in the position that, he in, that he's in. And that's where I kind of have to take a little bit of the blame off his shoulders. Spencer was very good for the circumstances he was facing. The offensive line was awful. I mean, they were atrocious against a Kansas State defensive line, especially in the second half. That should not have matched up with them from a physicality or athleticism standpoint, especially at left tackle. OU just could not protect him. And you you mentioned being skittish. He had every right to be skittish when his veteran offensive line and rotating tackles couldn't figure it out against K-State's defensive line. I, I... can see why Oklahoma fans will be frustrated with him, especially because of the turnover numbers, right? And if you don't actually watch the game, you see the number of turnovers and you get concerned. I just take a little bit off of Spencer because he just did not get much help from a protection standpoint. And it's incredibly disappointing when you see an offensive line as heralded as Oklahoma's completely let down their redshirt freshman quarterback in the Big 12 opener. That, to me, is more concerning than Spencer Rattler's performance in this game. And it's partially why he was so hindered in this outing. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and I, I, I think I made a couple of the points you did as far as I don't think it was on him all the way. I think... He played pretty remarkable. <laughs> the funny thing is, I call my wife. She's not the greatest, most knowledgeable person. We have six season tickets at the OU uh, through my family. Um, so the kids go with her every Saturday. And they were talking um, throughout that whole conversation. My son's in the back seat. And he says, Dad, Spencer was running for his life. My wife said the same thing. Every time he dropped back, he was having to run around and go do crazy things. Um, it, it, it was just – as a freshman, that's hard to overcome when you've never experienced that. Like I said, on the college level, it's different when you're the best athlete at the high school level. You can run around and do – you can get away with things that you can get, can't get away with now because the 280-pound the dude that's running after you, he's just as fast as you. And that's just a different level. And that's – he's going to have to learn the game, the game speed. I think this was probably – and it, this may be the best thing that ever happened to Oklahoma this early on because now say K-State ends up winning and they win, they go 7-3, and three, okay, um, which is not – that's not out of the realm of possibility because I, again, think that Arkansas State is a very good G5 team. Um, and say Oklahoma wins out. Now, granted, that seems like a crazy scenario. Colin and I talked about this last year on the way home, man, from Manhattan. We were sitting there breaking down how Oklahoma was going to make the playoff, and they did. We could do that again today. Um, there's a lot of COVID issues because it's harder to predict now if the game's going to play, you know, all that stuff. But 
I, I don't want to throw it away completely, but at the same time, I'm with Colin on this, and I think there's a there's a there's a uh I'm not gonna say a, a greater than fifty percent possibility. I think instead of there being maybe a ten percent chance of Oklahoma starting the season one and two or whatever, I think you're at forty, forty-five percent at this point. Um I still think Oklahoma's better than Iowa State, and I still trust the staff is going to fix the problems. Um, but I think the players is where it ultimately hinges on. I think like we've been talking about who is going to step up as the vocal leaders, like who's going to do it. Who's going to step up as a vocal leader that, and like you all said, that, that is going to listen to them. You know what I mean? Like who has that voice? Who has that presence? Can y'all think of anybody inside that locker room that actually has that presence? Like Kenneth Murray, like a Neville Gallimore, like a Jalen Hurts, a Kyler Murray, a Baker Mayfield, like who has that? Is there CD Lamb? Like who has a presence like that? Right. Outside of the two captains, I mean, exactly. This is a question mark. It's a huge question mark, right? That Delarin Turner Yell was flying around in the first half, but he may have to pick up a more vocal presence. Yes, moving forward, I think offensively I those H-backs may have to just take control I know that they're kind of used to being just contributing factors but they have really good guys in that room and it's clear to me that if anyone has leadership candidates it's guys like Jeremiah Hall Austin Stogner Braden Willis that's a very very fair point it's a very good point just don't know and I think when you talk about leadership coinciding with a playoff pursuit I mean, if Jalen Hurts doesn't go into halftime in Waco and tell Alex Grinch that one day we're going to tell our kids about this moment, I mean, that season gets thrown away. And right now, I don't know that this squad has truly identified a guy who's going to go into a locker room with a huge deficit in front of him and say, we are completely fine, and here's why. Like, this this team – got smacked in the face with a ton of momentum and had absolutely no idea how to handle it. Like they didn't know how to react to the shift. They didn't know how to calm themselves down in crucial situations. It was just difficult to see. And I think when you don't react in a moment like this, especially when you're playing a K-State program who is down plenty of leaders in its own right, Joey, it, it's incredibly concerning for an Oklahoma team who had probably more pure candidates for a leadership perspective to step up over K-State, and it just didn't happen. Absolutely. I mean, and that's one of the most frustrating things is like, here, this is the time when you need, you need that leadership, right? Like you, nothing's going your way. You, someone's got to be able to step up and make it happen. And, it just wasn't the case. I'm, you know, we we can talk about the the rest of Oklahoma's schedule, but I, you've had a feel about some of these teams in the past with Oklahoma that, as you as you uh, mentioned, like they come back and they ran the table. You know, after K State last year, they run the table and go to the playoff. They've done this several times. To me, obviously, it's earlier in the season, but it, under it's a different situation this year, of course, with uh, COVID and everything. But I don't know with what's already happened in the Big 12, if I'm not already 
ready to write them off, even if they would somehow win out. That I don't think they could get. I, I don't know. The, the strength of the league becomes a major problem. This is a, a really, really bad loss for Oklahoma. So I, I think there's um, a situation where now we're talking about Oklahoma's won the Big 12 five years in a row. To me, that's the absolute ceiling for this team. The conference may be officially wide open. Right. I think at this point, it's anyone's ball game. Iowa State, yeah. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying getting to observe other squads in action. I'm loving it, and I didn't think Iowa State was all that impressive today. TCU playing Matt Downing the entire first half was an atrocious mistake, and they have a horrible mm-hmm. offensive line. Texas and Texas Tech don't really want to actually take control of the football game one way or the other. Someone in this conference is going to have the opportunity to beat Oklahoma. I just don't know who it is. The thing is, Oklahoma's kind of beating itself right now, guys. And as a result, we're in for maybe the most parity the Big 12 has seen in a very long time. Yeah. um, Again, though, I I feel like – and I'm not – I don't know, like – the more I talk about this game, the more I'm like, you know, we do this every year. <laughs> it it was going to happen. Someone yeah, was going to yeah. say it. You, yeah, you know, what's funny. It's, it's a great point though, because yeah, we do this every we, year. And they say the same things too. Well, they're going to, this is wide open again. And then Oklahoma goes out there and just rams everybody. So. And there's always a one inexplicable loss every single season. Like to me, it, and it's funny. I know, I know all three of us do this. Like, Back in the summertime, we're looking and like, okay, is it this game or this game or that game? And K-State was not even on my radar no. as potentially being that game this year for Oklahoma. No, and, and when I say we do this, I'm talking about us, me, you, and Colin. Uh, we we do this as far as talking like uh, – uh, because I'm not one that says we as an OU because I don't play for OU. I just cover OU. People like, you know, that's just not me. But – it's funny to say, because we really do. Like I was, th- like I was telling, telling, saying earlier, Colin, <laughs> we 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 did this last year on the way home from Kansas State, talking we about did. saying the same things we're saying. Oh, well, I don't think there's any way they can, but if they did, you know, and we would contradict ourselves. We'd say, well, you know, I think they could lose this, this, and this, and okay, well, if they don't, what are they going to do here, here, and here? And here we are again, going through this same stuff again. Because I'm I'm not sold on Texas. I I just can't be sold on Texas now. Am I sold on them making it to the Big Twelve title game? Probably. I think that that's a fair bet. I also think Oklahoma will somehow figure this thing out before the end of the year. They're just too talented. But to to play devil's advocate with a couple of but you should. We need to play devil's advocate here. To play devil's advocate with a couple of questions, because I, I definitely believe in some of these points. Number one, is this not the most uncertain you felt out of every scenario beforehand? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Is this not the absolute worst loss of every season that we've gone through this process beforehand? And like, we is not just us on this podcast. We as everyone in the national media, we as everyone in college football – we all see Oklahoma slip up at some point and say, oh, well, they're probably not going to make it. But at the same time, they probably will. But in this specific instance, this to me, and I would be interested to hear your answers, to me, this is the, the worst loss of all of those instances. And this is the most uncertain team 
to get through this situation moving forward. There's no sample size, guys. Look, like th- this is the first two games of the season. You, even, Houston, Houston in two, 2016 was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, bad. yeah, that's a that's a very good point. And, and well, and they end up, you know, after the first a couple losses there, they don't lose again. So when Iowa State was pretty bad in 2017 too. <laughs> yep, all all of those are you know Iowa State and. and K-State, obviously, last year. But, again, you had this sample size, right, to where it's like, well, okay, we saw this inexplicable game, but we've seen this team play a lot better, you know, in previous weeks. But there, there isn't really anything there. Right? I mean, you can't judge anything off the first game. So there's not anything there that, that would make you think, well, this this is a different team than what we saw today. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is how, as far as Oklahoma goes, this is how good the program is that I'm having to go all the way back to 2014 to say the worst loss at home in OU history, Bedlam 2014. They won what? Three games that year. Is that correct? If I remember correctly, 2014, Oklahoma state won three games and they won it off a redo punt. And then, and then the Clemson game happened in the uh, Orlando or whatever you want to call it bowl later on. Uh, I thought you were going to go a little different direction here. I thought you were going to go with the Baylor game that same year. That, okay, that was bad. That, but Baylor was really good that year. <laughs> yeah, that was. Nas- national title good. If they wanted to be, or if they would have been voted in, or them and TCU were so freaking good. Because remember, OU went down to Fort Worth. Um, I remember going to that game uh, with my wife and kid. That was and, a Katy uh, Perry game. That was the Katy Perry game. That was a game we set by a bunch of sorority girls, and my son played behind up there. They basically babysat him the whole time. With so my wife and I could watch the game, and they were like TCU sorority girls. It was freaking hilarious uh but if i remember correctly that was the game that trevor knight was like hit or miss like he would throw a bomb to sterling shepherd for like 80 yards and then would throw 20 passes that were just the worst thing ever and then hit another bomb to to shepherd i think he had like five touchdown passes that game and they were like it was the most uneven game i've ever seen a quarterback play in my life but and I was saying a lot as far as that 2014 and 2015 quarterback play. That was it was some of the worst quarterback play in OU history. Not 2015, but 2013 and 2014. Um, yeah, what is y'all's? T- I mean, that's a really good one. The Baylor and Oklahoma State, Colin, with you, you really are you gonna are you gonna stand on that hill that this is the worst? This is worse than those were, or is it is it for you? Is it is it more of a uh, recent thing? So Absolutely. Okay. This to me okay. is like, like Kyle Kemp being a complete unknown for Iowa State and coming yeah. in, we know you at home was a huge deal. But at the same time, Kyle Kemp had Alan Lazard at wide receiver. He had Hakeem Butler at wide receiver. He had Joel Lanning, who went bananas. Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, who had several starters out, who had a redshirt senior quarterback who is inconsistent and at times predictable and they had no answer for it in the second half i i see this as the worst loss 
because of all those factors and because we mentioned the smaller sample size, right? Like we don't have a true picture of what this team is right now. Well, there's also going to be a smaller sample size overall, making these losses more detrimental. They only get 10 yeah, that, games. Yeah, that's what makes this so hard. And we we have done several podcasts on OU Insider and said, OU's going to have to win out to make the playoffs this year. Yep. And guess what? We were saying that before the Big Ten or Pac-12 were coming back. Now, granted, those teams and those conferences will be playing a smaller schedule than even Oklahoma. But for OU to lose to that quality of opponent with so many starters out in a less-than schedule, I just don't know how you can look at this game and not see it as one of the worst in a very long time. And I – this is this hurts a lot. Like I really firmly believe that this is going to be very difficult for Oklahoma to overcome, especially because this isn't even really the start of the gauntlet as we've seen. Right. I, Iowa State, Texas, and TCU are coming, and for them to slip up this early in a shortened schedule, I just that's the way I see it, man. No, and you make very good points. You make your points are so good that when you put it like that, you can, you kind of sit back and you go, man, uh, they could realistically just lose out from here on like that, 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 that you could, you could really like the schedule that you put out in front of you, Iowa state and Ames. Guys, we're trouble. so hated right now. <laughs> I know that's trouble. You, then you have Texas. Then you have Baylor. Like that could be, Oh my God type start. If they play like they did the second. Now, do we really think they're going to play like this? The rest of the season like they did in the second or not just second half but like midway through the third quarter on to the rest of the season no do we think they're going to get better yes they're going to get better they're young this team people need to realize this team is young young Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why we keep saying 2021 now talent wise this team is the most talented team that oklahoma's had in a long time the problem that goes with this talent is the inexperience. Now, when you have talent and experience together, that turns out to be a really good deal. When you have talent and inexperience, you're flipping your coin every time you go out there on the field. Like, what team's going to show up? Is this going to be the 2019 version of Oklahoma or is this going to be the uh, 2014 version of Oklahoma? It, you really don't know. Um, and and that, that kind of goes in hand-in-hand with what happened in 2014. They were young and inexperienced, but they were super talented. Everybody expected a whole lot of this Oklahoma team that just beat Alabama the year before. And bam, they come out, they start out hot, and then they lose it. And this time they start out hot game one against an awful opponent, by the way. And that's why we don't know what this team is because they started out really good against a pretty good team in Kansas State that was missing a lot of starters. Now, thing that we're not talking about just yet is getting back and calling we talked about this earlier off the air and how much big a difference it's going to make is getting back Ramondre Stevenson, Ronnie Perkins and Trajan Bridges. Oh, and by the way, Jaden Hazelwood, you get those four guys back. Now we're talking, you know, <laughs> we're talking about, you got two guys you got one that's a for sure leader, a vocal leader, one that everybody respects on the team and Ronnie Perkins. Now it's different for him to be on the sideline saying, which I don't think he is, because uh, he's not allowed, is he? If I remember that correctly, right? He's not no, allowed. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So not having him on the sideline is tough. 
he That's was tough. live tweeting the game, guys. It was awesome to see. <laughs> I did happen to see that. It was he was what? Pretty he was awesome. Live tweeting the game with oh, everyone yeah. in yeah. the OU fan base and OU media group. Ronnie was right there live tweeting the game. It was awesome to see, but of course. They also don't have him on the sideline, as you mentioned. Hey, right. and that, that, that's, a tough, that's a tough thing because you have him out there on the field, number one, number two on the sideline. There's probably a different scenario in several plays that happen during that ball game because he is that much of a difference maker. For the, he's, He might be the best in – oh, and by the way, we're missing somebody else that could potential come back, uh, Mr. 31, uh, on the defensive side. Uh, there's, there's, so there's five guys – that could come back at some point during the season could could come back during at some point during the season and four of them we know will be back the the redmond we don't know yet uh it's in talks you know that type of stuff if he decides to opt back in you get those five guys back i think i could see oklahoma win out the rest of the ball game okay you know and brandon listen to this i'm i think it's awesome incredible point that you bring out those players because what is the committee always said in the past that they value who's played all the situations right right so that you know i I still believe that oklahoma maybe had to win all their games this year but hypothetically that could really kind of be their their ace in the hole right there what if they get those guys back and the committee will say "Uh, they didn't have these guys when they lost to K-State. And they're a completely different team with those guys. But They really are a completely different team with those guys back because you're talking about five guys that are – and then if you could somehow get talk Brooks into coming back, you're talking about six of your biggest contributors on both sides of the ball back. And I'm not talking about – I'm talking. you're talking all-conference talents. This is, now, we don't know if Bridges is going to – we think he's going to be on things that we hear about him – being, you know, the best receiver, most consistent receiver during practice, making plays. We hear those things. We saw it in, you know, backup play last year and playing really well. We saw Jaden Hazelwood play really, really good last year in key, key points of the season uh, at times. We know what Ronnie Perkins and Jalen Redmond can do, and we know what Ramondre Stevenson can do because we've seen those guys flat out dominate. Well, so, it's, also, it's also a point when you think about it that they're really going to have to rely on because once it comes down to it, Oklahoma and X big 10 team, for example, will have essentially played at some points the same number of games, just Oklahoma yeah. would have actually had those players in that same game stretch that like an Ohio state has played. If that correct. makes sense. No, no. You're saying they play six games. Say, say they yeah. play eight games and that's but, what those players play. That's how many games Oklahoma had those players for. Then, and so then that's an actual evening point. It's right. just like, for example, we talk about all this inexperience and lack. Like, it even took Oklahoma with a Joe Moore award winning offensive line, Kyler Murray quarterback, CeeDee Lamb, Marquise Brown at wide receiver, to probably up until about the Texas game to actually come together. And in the second half of the Texas game. <laughs> yes. Until that point, they were kind of sporadic, as yep. is this squad currently with all those leaders out. It's just instead of having all that extra game time, this thing is so much more compact. And yep. that's what makes the lack of these leaders and the lack of extra game time so crucial. And it magnifies that's why it. 
right now, it's this is probably the most concerning moment for OU, but it's it's really going to take a lot to climb out of this hole. And so getting those guys back, it, it's more important now than maybe ever before. Now, now I will say this, and, and Riley says this every time. It's funny that he, the same things are said every year because they only lose one ball game every year. But he said exactly what he said the year before, the year before, and the year before. Um, we're Oklahoma. We know how to come back from this. We do it every year. Is that not something that he said every other year? Is that not Rich Washington repeat? Like, no, you don't no. remember he says that after every loss that they have, the, that random loss? It's, we're Oklahoma. We've done this before. We know how to come back from this. We, we've done it the year before, and we're going to do it again this year. He said it again this this year. And – I kind of believe him <laughs> because he's proven it to be fact every time. It's hard not to believe it. You know, as much as we're sitting here saying, man, they could start out one and two, they could start out one and four, like, because that's a realistic possibility with how they played in the second half. We also are all sitting here going, oh, well, you know, they are Oklahoma. They do have a lot of talent. Uh, they do have Lincoln Riley as a head coach, and they do have some – pretty good wide receivers some pretty good they have a pretty good quarterback he's young but he's really good um i can kind of see him you know like we're contradicting ourselves back and forth like saying well this what, what about this you know why because colin you said it so many times during this podcast we don't know because of the sample size like we don't know we're going off of what we've seen in past oklahoma teams and what we've seen of lincoln riley's teams during the losses and even with what little we know right now of this squad, honestly, think about it. Do you, do you, do you really believe they're going to lose to Iowa State? Like, honestly, like, say, do you think they're going to lose? Do you, do you honestly, would you bet money that they're going to lose to Iowa State? If so, if I walked in there and said, I would not. And you have a thousand, I, you're a rich person. And I said, not rich, but you, you can afford to lose a thousand dollars. I said, Colin, I'm going to bet you a thousand dollars right now that Iowa State does not beat OU, what would you do? Right now, I would, would, you I take would the bet? not put money. Exactly. But I'm getting pretty darn close. Well, okay. But see, that's that's some point. Like it's, it's, the closer we get to the, that Saturday kick, like Jaquan Bailey could eat their lunch. Let's make something abundantly clear. That Iowa State defensive line is really good today. Brock Purdy is not as explosive as in years past, but Iowa State has some dudes at receiver and tight end. They have three, six, six, and above 250 pound tight ends. We got a pretty good running back, too, in Hicks. Yeah, Bruce Hall. He's Marcus Hicks' ex teammate. Sorry, Bruce Hall. You, yeah. you ask me today, I'm probably not putting money down, but you ask me in like a pregame podcast, I, you know, I may be interested in making a couple of bucks. I'm just saying. Okay, okay, okay. For you listeners right now, Colin and I are going to make this bet. Now, Colin, oh, I know I'll you're – I know you're I – w- I don't expect you. But you guys will, make it, and then I'll tell you what side I'm on. Okay. <laughs> I will bet – I will bet you – if, if it gets to this, we'll talk about it later on in the week. I'll bet you 10 bucks that Oklahoma wins the ball game. But we'll talk about it. You don't have to give me $10, which is just hypothetical back people, but we're going to make some, we're going to have fun with this. We'll see what happens. We'll see how I how feel. How about a, about a pizza? <laughs> we'll see what happens. Again, I'm not uh, looking now. I'll post made it to you. <laughs> we'll see what happens. 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, as a see, as a week goes on, and I'm with you. As you get you know more information of who's going to play, who's not. I mean that there's a lot of things that can change in the world. Yeah, you got to you got to see the other side of this, right? But here's the here's the good thing Oklahoma has going for them is uh, they um, are in pretty they're good healthy. shape. Quote: Yeah, they're healthy. Number one, number two. What seventy five percent of the teams already had COVID in the last month or two, so they're in good shape on that form right now too. So, and I know it's weird to say it's like it's good news the whole team has had COVID. Is that not like hearing somebody say that is? It sounds awful, but in the competitive aspect of it, it's a good thing. Uh, as weird as that sounds, so it makes it to where the contact tracing and they don't have to take a test for ninety days and all that stuff per CDC guidelines, yada, 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 whatever. Uh, so um, it, it's a weird deal. Um, how, how do you all see – we haven't talked about Brian Mead yet, so let's go ahead and do that real quick. And Do we need to? Well, I, I, I think we all need to vent on that one a little bit. Of <laughs> the, not vent, but question. Like, what the – is going on i'm just gonna bleep that out like why is he why is he still playing like why is he still playing why did he play last year you know that him playing last year cost oklahoma uh ryan jones and levi draper they're gone now because of that Look, uh, man, tell, not- tell me tell me you wouldn't feel more comfortable with ryan jones or levi draper out there covering a guy one-on-one than brian mead my, my mama said that if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. And in this situation, that is quite applicable. So I think it's best to leave it at that with Mr. Brian. No, I like the guy. He's a good kid. Yes. That, that was a rough – I mean, he had a awful – That game. play was mm, – yikes. You're in man coverage, and you just watched him go. They're nice. playing quarters coverage. Quarters coverage. I saw it live. And it was like in slow motion how bad it was. <laughs> and so I want to know what was the what was the press because usually in the press box when Joey and I are up there. Again, for those people that don't know, they only allowed one person per outlet in the press box this week. Um, what? How? What was the reaction? Um. Like during the during the game during the game, the play while it was in the middle of happening, a giant what is going on? A giant like like midway through the fourth quarter, I turned to a couple people and I said, "Oklahoma's like you you know me, Brandon. How normally I'm a you're positive. Well, I'm, I'm almost an internal optimist." And yep. I turned to a couple people and I said. Oklahoma's not winning this game. Yeah, like, you're a proud they, homer, and you 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 wear that flag. You, you <laughs> weigh that flag proudly. And there's I said Oklahoma is not going to win this game. I, I just had the feel it was like they they had no response, guys. No. Like they, they 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 couldn't get up off the mat. Yeah, I told my dog Nike that after uh, I don't even think I think when they scored when it was thirty five twenty one. I said, because it just didn't feel right. Like, it didn't feel right at that point. You could tell there was, even at that point of the ballgame, you could tell there was um, a discrepancy between the first half 
and just the feel of the second half, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right at all. Um, I, I, what y'all's thoughts on the fact that they just got away from uh, McGowan and Pledger after they were running the ball? So I'm like looking at the stats. Somebody tell me. What, have we seen this before? Yeah. So between the two, they averaged, what is it? They had 8.8 yards between two. So they were averaging uh, four point. Oh my gosh, they were averaging 4.4 yards a carry between the two. Why would you not feed them more? Anybody? Especially when your offensive line isn't helping at all in pass pro. Correct. And that's, you know, why? Because they just pin their ears back knowing they were going to pass the ball every time. Yeah. That's a a weird, like, we're questioning the best offensive line in football, whether it's pro, college, whatever. We're sitting here questioning that. Because we have a right to question it right now. Statistically. This was supposed to be a strength for Oklahoma, and it did not look that way at all. And then for them to just bail on the running backs who were a strength for two and a half to three quarters was questionable, to put it lightly as well. I, I Again, I thought Seth and TJ had very good football games. Outside of TJ's false start, the two guys looked very comfortable given their game experience and they were just basically dished in the fourth. And I, I would have assumed in that situation, you would lean on the running backs a little bit more, especially with, like I said, what you were seeing from a passing perspective, but it was questionable. I know a lot of people are kind of wondering what Lincoln Riley is as a late game coach. Now, I don't know if we can completely validate that question, although I can also understand why it's being brought up. It's just those running backs certainly have, should have gotten the ball a little bit more, especially in the closing moments. Yeah, okay. So they get the ball back. This is another thing we discussed earlier, Colin. They get the ball back. Uh, tie ball game, 35-35, right? They punted. They, they stopped them, and they punted. Uh, so Oklahoma gets the ball back with, what, six minutes left? And they go pass, pass pass not a single run and at that time i remember the drive before pledger and mcgowan both had runs of over 10 yards during that so i guess what i'm getting at is and and the other thing i want to ask is the rollout i asked riley he, he did not like my question he was kind of upset with my question i asked him why he if, if they were designed every time or if it was Rattler being a little skittish inside the pocket, which he had every right to be after getting rocked and rolled the majority of the night or during the day. But you cut off half the field when you do that a lot of the time, especially when you're on the near side anyways. So you've really cut off because it's hash to hash. It's a long throw sideline to the other hash and the sideline to the other sidelines, a long throw across your body. Now he could make that throw. But why why did they do that so much is what I, I know none of us can answer that, but did anybody else have those questions during the ball game? Like why do you keep rolling out and cutting off half the field? Yep. Definitely. I mean that's then you saw the first couple touchdowns were those were the, the kinds of plays that uh, that they were on. But I think Colin, you know, really kind of brought it up perfectly. Like he he just couldn't get comfortable in the pocket. Like he 
it, the pass pro is absolutely awful today and it's going to be that much more uh, awful when, you know, Kansas state knows that you're, you're dropping back and throwing the ball and they can just pin their ears back and come after you. That's exactly what going away from the run game did for them. There was just, there was just a lot of questionable decisions, whether it be going away from the running backs or, those certain play calls are not going for it on fourth down late in the game. It's just a lot of people are starting to question why Lincoln Riley makes some of the decisions that he does. I, I'm not going to sit here and ridicule the guy because I think he's a really darn good football coach, but I also can see why people are starting to bring these questions up. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it is, there's a problem and there's a problem as far as, and I don't say there's a problem as far as his coaching ability or anything like that. Cause I think he's again, he's one of the best coaches in all of football. Um, so that's not what people need to don't need to take what we're saying and misconstrue it and try to say, Whoa, did you hear what OU insider said? It? You know, well, these guys are saying that you're the worst coach of all time. You don't know what you're doing. No, we're, we're asking a valid question and he got upset. I mean, I could tell, he gave me like a five word answer. Some were called, some weren't. That was it. That's, and I think there was a little more to it, but that's like, like that was the gist of his like two sentence answer to me. So, um, I, and I think he probably was up. I don't think he was upset at the question. I think he was probably upset that, you know, that they were that probably, question had to be asked. It had to be asked, and it was a question that needed to be answered. And I know he didn't want to answer it because that's a that's a scheme and schematic question. But I, I'm I don't know. I I think there's a lot there's a lot to be worked on. Obviously, when you lose, there always is. But there there I don't know, man. This is like the more I think about it, Colin. You're probably right. This is probably the worst loss. You know, you history as far it's as really recent bad. history, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. bad. Like the more I'm thinking about it, the more <laughs> it's harder to. Harder I can be to, pretty convincing, can I? Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's just bad. Like the more, and it, it, so, and I'm even reading on here. Like it, people are talking about the, the, the leadership on our board on OU inside of the VIP board. Uh, it, and that is, I think that's the. When you outside of the loss, I think that's for everybody. You walk out of there going, "Who the hell are the leaders on this team?" Like I think that is the main. Would that not be the main question? That has to be the main question. Who are the leaders, and how are they going to rebound? Who who is going to be the guys that step up? And I don't think we're going to know anything because I I just don't know that you we're going to know until you get everybody back. Until you get all the suspended guys back and you get because Riley's talked about how vocal Perkins and Hazelwood are like constantly. But what good does that do if they're not suited up or out there, especially when they're not even in the facility during the game? How does that help you? We just keep running through the, these questions. And I know, like it's crazy. Like it's like we'll find out, man. They, 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 look, we can keep asking these questions, but the bottom line here is we're not going to get an answer until they take the field against Iowa State. That's true. This, that's very true. That's the perfect way to sum it. We have no idea what the hell the makeup of the squad is right now, 
and perfect, it's be perfectly put. It's going to be learned pretty darn quickly because Iowa State just decided. How about this, guys? They just decided to let fans yeah. in the stadium for this ironic game. Ironic. We will see. We will see the answer to all these questions next Saturday, and I'm very much looking forward to getting to some of those answers. So, uh, I guess uh, predict your offensive line starters next week. <laughs> okay, what Creed. You want me to say? Creed. Uh, Creed the center. Creed. Huh? Yeah, that's probably a safe bet. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's about that's outside of that. Like honestly, like that, that's why I think it's a good question. Predict it because we don't like that. That's probably the hardest spot to predict after what we we witnessed today. Any any question you bring up outside of is Creed Humphrey the center could probably be answered with we don't know. No one knows. So no, I just that's why I'm asking you. Predict like who would you guess would be it? I I I feel like Anton's going to be back out there at left tackle. I would assume, even though Andrew Rain came in at left guard later in the game, I would assume Marquise Hayes is back at left guard. Obviously, Creed, Tyrese, and Adrian at right. I just – what else can you do? I mean, Stacey Wilkins didn't go in the game from what I remember. And Eric Swenson was – Yeah, bad. I didn't see him either. So, I don't understand what – so, Stacey Wilkins was somebody they were thinking about during last year's run – pulling his red shirt and playing him a lot. Like what knee hell happened to that guy? We don't know. Uh, Another <laughs> situation where we don't know what the hell's going on. Imagine that. that. Be the title of this podcast. Good Lord. <laughs> no, for real. Like, I, I, okay. For me, I'm going to go, I'm going to say that they're going to play Stacy at left tackle just because I'm going to go out there and I'm a, my hot take, Stacey Wilkins is going to be the left tackle. Your left guard, obviously, is going to be Hayes. Your center is going to be uh, – it's not going to be Creed, I don't think it is. No, it would be Creed. Uh, it's going to be McIver. McIver is going to come in there for him. Good football player. <laughs> wow. Football player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they looked real good when he was in there without Creed, didn't they? They couldn't even run. That was awful. Um, I – I see. So I got a question from somebody that was really like knows a lot about, and he's a, a source. And he said, Tyrese has taken a step back in his play. And I guess that's been something that's been discussed behind the scenes. Now, I don't know if that's true, but could be. Uh, but I'm still going to say, because I think he's one of the best offensive linemen they have. He just had a rough game. That was awful. The holding, what do you have? Four holding penalties? Was it four, three, three, four, something like that? And they were crucial ones. Way too like many. Bad timing ones. Um, and then obviously Elliot, right? They've got to figure it out at some point, but uh, we can talk about that forever. All right, guys. Um, we'll end it with look, we appreciate everybody on OUinsider.com. Um, thank you all for being members, VIP members, and. Uh, we got 60% off right now. Uh, ends tomorrow. There's some big good news. I mean, I'm talking, there's some big news coming around the bend if you're an OU fan. I can leave it at that. Colin has a little smirk on his face. <laughs> is it, would, would it be an understatement of how huge this is? I, I don't want to go too much into it. Just get excited. Yeah. Ah. 
Yep. A little teaser. Yes, a little teaser. And we are on top of it and have been on top of it. Probably the only people that really know what's going on there. Um, so make sure that you sign up for OUinsider.com. 60% off right now. $42 gets you one year. Uh, we'll have you covered with the recruiting, with all the news that we're hinting at. Uh, there also could be some other big news tomorrow on the recruiting front. Uh, there could be some more in the next week or two as well. Not could. It is happening in the next week or two. You will have some more big-time news as well. Uh, so there's three or four things that are going to be dropping on OUinsider.com that are massive. Get them, get on board. Right now, the deal ends Sunday. $42 gets you nearly $120 in value VIP, which means you'll be able to con- talk to us. You'll be able to win these prizes that we give away every so often to our member, value members. Hang out with us. Free tickets to OU football games. All that type of gear. Uh, or extension on your membership as well if you want. Um, or $1 uh, for the first month, nine ninety five. after that. Uh, get on board. Guys, uh, so I want to thank you all once again. Guys, uh, any final thoughts? We'll talk to you next time. Hopefully we have some answers. Yeah, they, they Tuesday you all have your uh, thing you'll do. Uh, sooner, yeah. What's it called? Sooner, uh, sooner Digest. Sooner Digest. Make sure you all tune in to Sooner Digest. Uh, live, y'all, still do digest. It live. y'all still do it live on Facebook or is it recorded? We are currently recording, but we'll probably start going live here in a little bit. Okay. Whoa, got a phone call coming in. Um, though that means that we should end this podcast. Uh, Colin, Joey, thank you all. Uh, Sooners lose 38-35 to Kansas State. Up next, Iowa State next week in Ames, 11 a.m. Uh, thank you all, and uh, have a blessed day. <laughs>